Hello and welcome to the Venus Investor Astrology Podcast. This episode is the December solstice when we're experiencing in the southern hemisphere the longest day in the middle of our summer and in the northern hemisphere it's the shortest day and the middle of winter. Of course this is when the North Pole, the axis is mo- has, of the Earth, has moved furthest away from the sun. So the sun is kind of looking at, well, it is definitely looking at the Tropic of, Cap- of Capricorn, which is the line that runs below the equator. And of course, the um, southern hemisphere gets the most sun. It's their, it's their summer. Um, but it's also when the sun is closest to the Earth. And that hence why it is such a fantastic summer. And it's called the Tropic of Capricorn because the solstice occurs when the sun moves into Capricorn. Just like in June, when the North North Pole axis has moved closest to the the sun. And the sun, the point on Earth where the, the sun is closest to, is the line above the equator, which is the Tropic of Cancer. And of course, the equator is kind of the, the bit in the middle where it has the, the uh, an even season or hot closest to the sun most of the most of the time. And it's the two, the north and the south pole that move further away and experiencing much more of the extremes. And of course, this solstice is the most extreme. It's when the sun has moved or the earth rather, sorry, the earth has moved furthest away from the sun. Um, in it in an in its angle and at this furthest point it's like a a still point and solstice does mean still sun so it's like um a reckoning a point where right right it's like that pause the in out breath that we experience it's that small moment in between those two points when suddenly the earth is now going to start moving back towards in the northern hemisphere towards the light and in the southern hemisphere away from the light. And at the same time, we then experiencing this still moment globally. And that's why I'm not calling it winter or summer solstice, or this would be the winter solstice for the northern hemisphere. I'm calling it the December solstice because we experience this still point globally and all at the same time, wherever you are. What I liked about this solstice point is that although um, the sun is closest or the earth and the sun are at their closest point and the northern hemisphere we're experiencing our shortest day, the sun in its rotation, because of its the magnetic pull and being closest to the earth, it experiences uh, the longest time it takes to do one rotation because of the days for the the day of the time are earth days are a rotation of earth but they're not always exactly the same we take the 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 medium amount or the median a median um and on the 22nd it takes the longest time for the earth to rotate around which i found was quite fantastic because we're experiencing the shortest amount of time uh, the shortest amount of light or the longest amount of light but it's it's not in relation to the amount of time the earth takes to do one rotation which I think is a little interesting fact because we think it's all connected well it is all connected but when we think of the solstice we're still thinking of it as in a day is 
of the day is what's bringing us the light and the dark, but it's not. It's our connection um, to the sun and how close or, or what angle we are experiencing the sun from. However, I do want to talk about the Northern Hemisphere here because the Northern Hemisphere does experience a lack of sun, a profound lack of sunlight. If you're in the northern parts of Scotland or even in Iceland, you know, you, you're having a um, a very short day. In some parts, it's like six hours of sunlight, which isn't a lot. And I think for the ancients, that must have been quite a... Um, a lot of hardship to go through to realize that they are they are in much more of a hibernation it's very similar to the animals than than anyone near the equator or on the southern hemisphere also a lot of our astrology was developed by north people who lived in the northern hemisphere well not all of our astrology was developed i think by um people from the northern hemisphere experiencing these solstice from from the north and also because of this lack of light lack of warmth I mean winters were really really hard um, and so it was pronounced for them this this December solstice they knew when the light was coming they were probably gagging for it actually for the light to come back and just a little bit more sunshine because it was really hard for them it was about their survival and so that's why I think we see more celebrations for in in the solstice, for the winter solstice, where we feel this profoundly that the next day, the next morning is the coming of the light. It's like when the light returns on the dawn afterwards. And that's when I will be going to Stonehenge, where they open up the stones for all the visitors. You can actually go and touch the stones. And there's so many people there from all walks of life, celebrating this coming of the light. And dawn slowly appears, and then you're just about to see the sun peek through the stones and the solstice kind of returning of the light to actually happen. And realise those stones built 5,000 years ago are, are we're doing or experiencing the solstice just as they would have. Maybe not without the maybe with anoraks and cameras, but, um, you know, really celebrating it in a way that, that we're meant to. And I do think we are meant to honour and respect and take notice of these earthly cycles, whether they are new and full moons, eclipses, solstices or equinoxes. They really are moments for us to understand how we're here, what we're doing here, the, and our evolution here, and how we can um, navigate and process it more effectively with these signposts of light and dark. Now, there's a few places on Earth where, like Stonehenge, where on the morning of either the summer or the winter solstice, you suddenly, the, the whole um, cave or temple is opened up and the light shines through. And I'm, I kind of get my head around this. I really need to experience something like that in a very profound way. But there's a, quite a few places on earth, not just Stonehenge, where you can go and experience the solstice. And I was looking at a list of them. Apart from Stonehenge, there's Newgrange in Ireland, in Meath. There's Maeshow in Orkney, which just looks like a beautiful set of rooms that light up. There's the Gossek Circle in Germany, which was only recently discovered, and it's a set of intertwining circles. Um, Machu Picchu has the Sun Temple. Uh, and Tulum, Mexico, they have also 
some part of the the um, temple there is is a dedication to the sun and something happens there on, on the solstice. There's a Karana, or is it called Karana Tepe in Turkey, uh, Karnak in Egypt. Now I went to Karnak in Egypt and I didn't know anything about this uh, solstice um, or where the sun was supposed to appear when I was there, which was a bit miss, but I, 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 was, Mar I was there in March anyway, but um, is also at the King Ramses II temple in the Aswan Abu symbol uh, in Egypt, there's also a temple there that lights up, um, and Kasar Quran a palace in Egypt, and Chichen Itza. Now in Chichen Itza, I think that's the temple where you clap your hands and you hear this warbling of a bird. They've not only played with the light and dark of the temple, but also the sound effects, which I think is profound and Probably there will be more of those things if um, if you delved into some of the um, interesting things about some of these places. Stonehenge is actually um, special to me, though. I have visited it a few times um, and it's very special for the pagans and also the Druids. And they were, it was built 5,000 years ago by the Druids. Now, the Druids were the guardians of the light here on Earth. They understood the play between light and dark and the shadow and they also understood that the this play between the light and the dark the movements of the planets there were also a part of man's evolution and also the idea of how t time was passing and they were the first people that really understood and kind of brought those that deep wisdom to earth and helps man help man understand the passing of time and not only the passing of the time but the growing of wisdom that would come from experiencing the shadow and growing beyond the shadow just like in other sort of cultures where say in the buddhist where you would have the the yin and yang symbol with the white with the dark in and the dark with the white in that they understood this profoundly and they were the light keepers and the uh, the guardians of the light and the light keeping the timekeepers for early man as it were so that we could have the go on with our evolution with this understanding that was given to us by them. And in this way of the, the idea of the light and dark, the idea that the sun and the moon, the passing of time, and the idea that the whole planet moves with these with the sun and the moon and provides these the seasons is also where we then come to the idea on the winter solstice we or the in the northern hemisphere the the december solstice on the 21st of um when the sorry when the 21st of december when the sun moves into capricorn you know that is the the, the sun moving into capricorn it's the new uh, a new season well, no, sorry, so it's not a new season. So it's the sun moving into Capricorn and bringing us new energies. And just likewise, in the June solstice, the sun moves into Cancer. And therefore, with the equinox, on the equinox, we have the sun moving into Taurus. And that's because it's a northern northern hemisphere tradition. It's when it's the vernal equinox, it's the spring, it's the bursting forth of abundance and blossoming. And, you know, that's where Taurus gets all that rutting season codes from. Um, and therefore, in Libra, we have on the first day of Libra, um, 
in the autumn equinox, which is obviously Southern Hemisphere spring equinox, um, we have the equal day, equal night. There's such a harmonious idea about Libra and the scales when we keep ourselves in harmony and realise that we're in equal balance at that time. So these passing of times do relate to the, uh, the astrology as it has been developed by the ancients. So all these passing of time, you know, does help us evolve and understand that process because, because it is part of the linear time process that we are not, we're moving in a, like in a circular spiral movement that we're going to come back to the same things, but not exactly as they were before. They have always evolved slightly forward. And in tropical um, astrology, we're looking at obviously the long count, the May and long count as well, that these, these numbers, these seasons, they all relate to man's connection on earth as described by the pyramids and the numbers within the pyramids that relate to the size of man, the man's, our, our body, and then Vesuvian man drawn by Leonardo da Vinci, you know, that, that these are all connected, you know, they are, have very specific numbers. Nothing is by coincidence. It's all flourishing in a sort of perfect mathematical equation. And whilst I'm talking about the Northern Hemisphere's tradition of astrology and how it then relates to the seasons and relates to the solstices and equinox. We also remember that the Mayans also kind of connected into this as well with their their calendar. And um, I thought it was quite strange that their long count calendar ended in, you may remember, in 2012. It was on the solstice 2012, which it's ended. It was at 12 minutes past 12 on the 21st of December, 2012. And it was like the 2112221. You were like, oh my God, that's kind of like a binary system of computers. And here we're saying that, that exact point, that the Mayans had a calendar that ended just then, even before, several calendars before, and even in a different um, um, continent far away, that that their long calendar would end with such a numerical kind of anomaly that they created this long calendar that was 26,000 years long and it ended on the solstice at that exact point. And I find that that blows my mind slightly that um, the, the I'm, I don't really do numerology, but just the 211221 date of that is incredible you have to admit and so many people were saying the world's going to end or whatever was going to happen on on that date in 2012 because it was the end of their calendar and they they called it the end of time and i see it as the end of linear time the end of linear time as we know it it's not i don't i'm saying i see it that because i agreed with other people who also felt the same that it's the end of linear time and at that point the hadron collider scientists had found particles that moved or seemed to move faster than the speed of light and it's the speed of light that that denotes our linear time passing that gives us time and so if you found something that moves faster than that, our time is then not bound to those same principles. 
So I really felt that that whole um, you know, end of time calendar, the end of the long count and starting again on that solstice was a real marker and incredible that, you know, that the ancients from very different disciplines were connected to these things um, knowingly and also from you know, knowing knowingly in terms of building the monuments, etc., but obviously not knowing that they would come to this point with such clear numerology and it would end on a solstice like that. How can they know that it would end on a solstice? I mean, or would did they know and and did they calculate it thus, or did it just happen to be that way and it's just a natural phenomenon? Nothing happens by coincidence, and I believe it was. Um, um, this is the perfect maths, the perfect, the perfect mathematical equation of our existence, just like the golden number the and the Fibonacci number. I actually have an alarm clock called the QI alarm clock, and it wakes you up to the golden ratio. And so it uses the golden ratio time. So it has a has a series of um, singing bowls that you can choose to to wake up to and it'll gong the singing bowls um in sort of the i don't know what the fibonacci number is actually but whatever it is it goes from two to seven to eleven you know it's it's it doesn't look like it would make a sequence but obviously it does um so it wakes you up to that number every morning so I feel like I'm really connected to these, the linear time, the non-linear time, the passing of the light and the dark. And so I guess that's why the solstices, the equinoxes and uh, the um, the planets are all kind of, I feel like I'm really connected to them because I really feel that passionately and feel the, and, and think it's all wonderful. Now, talking of that long count and the 26,000 year wobble, which is what the long count really represents, the, 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 the wobble of the axis of the earth so that it goes backwards and of the procession of the equinoxes so that the equinoxes are slowly changing and going backwards through the zodiac. This takes 26,000 years. So here on Earth, we experience the seasons as the same, the dates and the seasons. So um, in December the 21st, in Australia, it's always going to be summer and, and it's always going to be winter here on the 21st of December. The same weather, same those same ideas, same seasons. However, because of the procession of the equinoxes, when you look up through the sky, when the... Um, on the vernal equinox, actually, and uh, when when we sh when we should be looking at the so we, for for our age when we should be looking out at um, in March we should be looking out at Pisces, um, but the ancients were looking at you know before that Taurus. So it, I think this twenty six thousand year wobble that the Mayans understood. And the other ancients understood. I mean, how did they know that the Earth was actually, whilst it was rotating once a day and rotating and going around the sun, it was also experiencing this this twenty six thousand year wobble. They understood that the Mayans did, but also I think it was a Hipparchus, an eight, the one of the second century astrologer. He said this procession of the equinoxes meant that we would fall behind a degree for every hundred years that, um, that 
on, on Earth, that we'd fall behind so that we'd go through the zodiac. And that's what it means by precession of the equinox. It's actually going back one degree every hundred years in, in the zodiac. Uh, Ptolemy, the next astrologer, he agreed with that and then kind of did more mathematical equations on that, slightly differing, but... Um, but now we come to understand in the modern world that we fall behind on the procession of the equinoxes um, one degree every 72 years. And that makes me marvel because our life expectancy is generally 72 years. So I feel that we're really tied to the earth and all its cycles and patterns and revelations. And so right now, as of 2020, obviously we're two years on from that, but as of 2020, we were 23 degrees behind. And this is where Vedic astrology comes in, because with tropical astrology, we are following the seasons and where Earth actually is within the seasons um, and staying focused on the beginning of the 26,000 year wobble. So that at some point we're going to come back to that. It's like we're recognising it, that we are on the wobble. We recognise the wobble. Whereas Vedic astrology moves away from the model, moves with the wobble as it were. And so it is 23 degrees behind tropical astrology. And when I say tropical astrology, I mean astrology that you see in the newspapers everywhere in the West, it's Western astrology. The Vedic is um, comes from more of a Hindu tradition, an Indian tradition, and I think it's more fatalistic, and it has more um, has has darker qualities. They, I do have a lot of people coming to me. I, I do respect the Vedic tradition, and I think all charts are relevant, and it is really interesting to see your Vedic chart. But sometimes I feel if you go they have more of a fatalistic idea of here you're going to have a car crash or you're going to make money three or four times before you really do. And there's there's quite profound statements. And I think because they see that from from um, a more physical idea of what they what they can read, they're reading the physical, whereas with um, which is so relevant and really interesting to see and gives a lot of advice. But with the tropical, you're understanding more that you are connected to the earth and on an evolutionary journey. And I think that also means with the Vedic astrology um, and the ancient Indian culture where you would be set in a caste and you wouldn't have as much freedom to change your, um, your destiny and you wouldn't have as much um, opportunity to move out of any, um, um, you know, set regime that you were born into. So that the physical idea of what would happen to you was much more important. And that's where that tradition brings. So they stay uh, focused on the stars, the sidereal, if you like. That's what sidereal means against the stars. Whereas in Western astrology, we are connected to the, we're connecting it to the Earth's 26,000 year wobble and we understand that, you know, in 13,000 years, the Vedic astrology will be completely opposite to, won't be just 23 degrees behind, it'll be completely looking at the other side, the other way around. But we're going to be recognising in the tropical that we're going to come back to this point so it's a recognition of that and our place here on earth and the fact that we are evolving as um as a planet and a humanity and and this brings me to the other um 
solstice that was very profound recently. So in December, on 21st of December 2020, um, we had the age of Aquarius, quote unquote, starting, because that's when we had the last great conjunction. The great conjunction is the conjunction between Jupiter and Saturn, whereas Saturn takes 30 years to go around the zodiac and Jupiter 12 years. So every 20 years, Jupiter overtakes Saturn and they have a conjunction in the sky. And it's called the great conjunction because the ancients didn't have telescopes to see beyond. Of course, we know there's so many civilizations, ancient cultures that drew pictures of the stars and the dynamics of the stars way before this, but we're talking, um, you know, um, you know, in general terms, they couldn't see beyond Saturn and Jupiter, and you can see them clearly in the sky. So on every 20 years, they would have this big conjunction. And on the 21st of December, the solstice of 2020, this is why I love it. It all happens on a solstice. On, on this date, we had this great conjunction. And what was so special about this one was that the, the declination in the sky of these two planets, normally they're kind of, you know, in a conjunction. They're not necessarily meeting on the same level or the same height in the sky. These two were meeting at the same height. And so they were creating this little binary star, if you like. And this great conjunction happened at the zero, zero degrees Aquarius. And this is like the heralding of um, the age of Aquarius. It would happen at zero, zero degrees. And it also happened just to happen to be the beginning of an 800 year cycle. And I think if you were listening to my last podcast, I said 600 year cycle. I meant 800. I apologize. But it's an 800 year cycle, which has 200 year cycles within it of each element. So 200 fire, earth, air, water. And on this zero, zero degree Aquarius, which is, um, you know, I, I, you know, the zero degrees of any sign is like the, the a new beginning. And it's like, let's all learn about this sun sign. We don't know anything and we're ready to go. So this zero degree was the beginning of a 200 year cycle. So it was the, re, the start again of the whole 800 year cycle with a 200 year period of predominantly air signs. Um, so we're going to be learning about the air in this next 200, we are gonna be in the age of Aquarius with other ideas of us starting this age of Aquarius. So um, this was leaving behind 200 years of Earth, predominantly Earth um, of the Great Conjunction. Now, if you think about that, the last 200 years when we had, uh, you know, Charles Darwin's Origin of Species, where we really delved into our physical matter and how we were here and moved away from spiritual matters you know so we went away and said right we are animals and we're evolving and it's the you know survival of the fittest here and then we had the industrial revolution and where we just got money and greed and power and and those physical uh, attributes on earth that we must have as much earthly wealth as we can manage and and also acquiring just as much as we can, plundering the earth for all her riches, and then having intensive farming, and then the huge focus on our physical bodies and getting fit, and also medical. And some of that's obviously brilliant, but some of that's been quite 
astounding. So these advances have kind of been overdone now and uh, we're ready now to move into the air. And this age of Aquarius happened to be on another solstice. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm um, keen to see what other events were happening at solstice points. And of course, talking about that zero degree Aquarius, we have Pluto moving into Aquarius after being 16 years in Capricorn. Pluto will be moving in March into Aquarius and he'll sit for three months till June the, June the 11th from March the 23rd. Is that three months? April, May, June. Yes. Um, we'll be sitting there on zero, zero degree Aquarius, really giving us a taster of what's to come. So it wasn't just that solstice, it's coming up even more thick and fast. So the air idea of um, concepts, conceptual ideas of um, Aquarian ideals, you know, it's IT, it's what we're doing intergalactically, space travel, and, and that whole idea will come alive. And of course, we're making it alive by putting so many satellites up into space. It's almost like we've got another layer between us and the cosmos. And is that going to attract much more um, cosmic interference or cosmic information? Um, we're going to get back to our communities and understand what that means and not have these hierarchical powers that have got completely out of control with Pluto in Capricorn. Um, and we're going to be doing the talking and the connecting and raising our consciousness and getting an upgrade. So I think there's some exciting things to happen within this whole age of Aquarius, although some of it might seem a bit scary right now. So for this... 21st of December. This is when the sun is going to move into Capricorn. The day before Jupiter, planet of abundance, moves back into Aries, kind of the first sign of the zodiac. So he's going to be at zero degree Aries. And that's like a huge, powerful burst of initiative, of a wake-up call. It's that Aries, our ego, our sense of self, and our heads and our and our way forward, where we're going let's get up and go and do it kind of energy, real starter clacks and energy. It's so, so super powerful that we've got this. And then the next day we've got the solstice. I think it's really incredible. And of course, in, in the Northern Hemisphere, this is the, um, the coming of the light. And it obviously, well, not obviously, but it is a pagan principle, which the Christians have then advanced to have that Jesus as the coming of light, because 21st December, 25th doesn't need to doesn't matter that it's a few days out but it's the coming of the light and also that conjunction the great conjunction that I was talking about um because it happened recently very much close on a, on a, just above each other in the sky um but when um I think it was a 7 BC, there was a great conjunction that happened exactly at the same, exactly, so that it looked like, not a binary star like this one looked like, it was actually looked like one star. And they say that was the star that was, that the, the three wise men, the three kings were following in order to meet um, Jesus and the coming of the light. And um, I think at, the, at that point, um, they had just finished a um, 
it was a, a 200 cycle of year of water and John the Baptist said I am going to I baptize you with water but there is someone coming who will baptize you with fire and that was then entering the fire signs the um the predominantly great conjunction happening in fire signs so anyway so we've got this huge this this year in 2022 we have this huge burst of energy around this time where it's like people are going to get up and want to do things and have ideas and and express themselves and kind of claim what they need to to say or do um and that burst of initiative and fun is coming on the 20th and then the coming of the light in the northern hemisphere but the the longest day in the summer i think it feels like a big celebration to me the still point of this though the actual still point when when you're when it is a good idea to sit in meditation is is at 21:48 in the evening or that's uk time um so yeah if you can work that out i can't do all those time zones but 21:48 is the still point when we're supposed to experience the sun almost starting to move or before it changes direction almost now and if you saw the direction of it it makes a beautiful sort of stretched out figure of eight as it as it moves in the sky and it, that, that's called an analemma i love it i love looking at it in the sky i find it very fascinating but um it's something a, a, a point to meditate with so so meditations for this solstice or any solstice really but um this is because it's the winter solstice and it's the coming of the light in the northern hemisphere um, and we're talking about the birth of Jesus. This is a really good time to invite in Christ initiations. You know, be ready or welcoming to the next level of Christ initiations uh, and accept and receive them when you're in that stillness, making it a beautiful receptacle and surrender to those um ideas codes christ codes and you know light light codes too and also in that light it's a it's a really nice time to uh invite in your own light and understand the shining of your own light and what you want to do with it and um you know understand that there is a cycle of um winter summer you know cycle of rebirth and and life death rebirth cycle that this is an opportunity to understand that we can let go and 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 still things will come to us even we let, let go we can let go and something else will appear in its place this is the evolution and the marking of time so that we can thank the earth for those cycles um understanding when there is a time to let go and then a time to hibernate a time to express and then to to bloom again so um happy solstice i hope this helps and i hope you found it interesting and please let me know what you get up to or if you want to join me um at stonehenge let me know that you'll be there so and see you next time Music.